podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi and welcome to the Nina Kaza Show. This show is brought to you in partnership with Liberty Shield, the perfect VPN companion for all your entertainment and privacy needs, where you get a massive 25% off everything using the coupon code AIVPN. Yep, you heard that right. 25% off with the coupon code AIVPN. Liberty Shields offers free VPN apps for iOS, Android, Amazon Fire Stick, Mac and Windows. Now, 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 um, back to football and back to business. This is your post-match show. We are going to discuss Liverpool's win against Brighton. It finished 3-1. Um, we saw a lovely um, Premier League debut from Nico Williams and um, a couple of goals from Marcella. Overall, you know, good stuff. And joining me on this podcast, hopefully, hopefully we have some callers, but joining me in terms of a panel, um, somebody who will be really excited about Nico Williams' debut, it is Sam Evans. Sam, welcome to the show. Thanks, Nina. Uh, first of all, I just want to apologise for... Uh, screwing us over royally against Man City by not doing the pod as promised uh, with my 100% record this season of wins whenever I'm on the pod. I had to drop out last minute on the Man City game and we got spanked 4-0, so soz. So, uh, yeah, but... <laughs> Go on. And I was just going to say, you know what? It's a good job you mentioned that because my next guest is going to like drag you now through the dirt. Uh, it is an absolute pleasure. You know what? I know we're all hating lockdown football and like, you know, the fans and everything, but I'm going to take, uh, you know, uh, there's a silver lining to everything. And one of them has been that during this period, it's been an absolute honour because Harinder Singh has just bagged his hat trick. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Hello. Hi. You're going to drag him because we got spanked because of him. Because of him, him over there. Do you know what? All I can say is this: get out, get out. <laughs> and Sam, I can't. You think I I'm can't... joking, though, Sam? That's the funny part. I'm not. Get out. Go on, go. Hey, you're supposed to be my Welsh brother from another mother. All that kind of stuff, <laughs> and you've just blown it. And can I just I say something as well as a cultural thing as well, Sam? When, um, when, like, when your Asian parents tell you to get out, you're in deep shit, aren't you, Arinda? Yeah. Uh, we know how to hold a grudge. <laughs> yes. hey, from from being on these, we do family podcasts, feuds. Trust me, Eastenders knows nothing about it. I'm fully aware of this. Being on these pods for so many years now, I'm uh, fully aware that uh, Nina can hold a grudge. Don't you worry. Right, guys, um, I'm not sure if we've got any callers lined up, but what I will do is um, we'll get your reaction and we'll kind of go through the team lineup and things. And, Harinda, I will come to you first because, um, you know, just just your thoughts after that, you know, your, your overall just, you know, if you could just summarise that game in like a sentence. Yeah, 
Nabby lad. Nabby, you know what? Straight to the point. And what about you, Sam? And then we will move on to our first caller. Uh, it was enough, really, wasn't it? It was uh, professional in the end. Um, it, it didn't really matter. We were just comfortable, knew we'd win in the end, even if we'd have let it come back into the game at two all. I think we were always had enough firepower on the bench to see it off and get the three points. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I am quite excited because we do have our first caller. It is a familiar voice on the Nina Kaza show. I am going to get his name right because I'm awesome like that. It is Nick Turner. Hi. Hi. How's it going? I'm good. I spent the whole week remembering your name. It's a good job you called in. Thanks. That's good. <laughs> Stalker alert. <laughs> Uh, yeah, what? Yeah. Not strange at all, I promise you. No, um, Nick, it's an absolute honour having you back on. Um, I know you couldn't join us last time, so the floor is yours. Take it away. Um, you are joined by Harinda and Steve Sam. Yeah, okay, so I think, I mean, you've already sort of mentioned it just with the two words, Nabi lad. That's, that's where I'm going with this. Um, yeah, uh, I just want to say, by the way, I've had a few of the Erdinger Klops beers tonight i i got them on uh, on a good deal and they're uh, they're pretty good and they've powered my thoughts this evening so i just wanted to add that in there but um yeah um, not sponsored by that beer people yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no sponsorship deal here just just the fact that i got them and it's really nice to have like the red cans with the you know jürgen klopp's face on it and liverpool champions 2020 brilliant stuff but yeah my uh, my comment is it's about Nabi. It's um, I thought I, I was really excited when he arrived, and you know when he came from the Bundesliga, and I saw plenty of clips of him, you know, grabbing the ball and breaking through the lines, creating chances, scoring goals, and it, it looked amazing. Exactly what we needed, but uh, I, I don't feel like we've seen too much of that in the past two years. He's been here, whether that be due to injuries and because he's been in and out of the team and that kind of thing. And uh, I feel like we've not really seen enough from him, you know. But the last couple of games, you know, you got two assists in two games, and he was all over the place today. He was, he was, he was up front. He was creating assists, and uh, I even saw him defending and clearing, uh, clearing back in the penalty box at one point. So I think, yeah, a bit of nabby appreciation, I think, is what we need tonight. You know what? I think, you know, starting off on a positive because it is all about the positives. And you know what, considering it was your kind of match summary, Harinda, I'm going to come to you first. And to kind of touch on Nick's question there, like, you know, I think we were all excited. And I think the excitement really built up with Nabi because we had to wait a whole season for him, right? You know, so we were kind of like, once Nabi comes, you know, once Nabi comes, you know, it's like you're waiting for that gift. And of course he comes, he hits the ground running. I think we all remember his first game um, in, in a red shirt and we were all like super excited. And then his second game was just as good. And then and then I think he, he had that spell where um, at Jurgen Klopp, I think they pick him against, was it Leicester? Uh, really, you've got a better memory than me, but I, I don't think he played. And then, of course, um, you know, then there was like things with injuries and things. You know, he, I think his career or his time at Liverpool has been very much stop start so we've not seen like a smooth transition as soon as we've gotten used to him and he's looked really impressive for me he's always got injured and I want to get your thoughts on this because I you know from judging what we've seen 
And from the, the cameos, like when he came on against Everton, you know, even when he came on against Man City, he had the most touches of the ball. Today's performance, like Nick just said, he was everywhere. He was defending, he was attacking. I think Gags was putting out some stats about him sort of recovering the ball and pressing. The first goal was, you know, won by his press and stuff. So, I mean, the, you, you said Nabi lad. So, you know what? Just talk to me about him. Before we talk about Nabi, we all forgot to do something. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to Virgil. Happy birthday to you. There, right. At least I did it. So, Virgil. Happy birthday, Virgil Van Dyke. Right. Nabby. In the fits and spurts that we've seen him, especially in his first season, it was really nice. So there'd be this burst of energy, turn, lovely dribbles. Sometimes he'd get taken out of the game by somebody. Sometimes he'll go into a cul-de-sac and nothing would happen. But nine times out of ten, he was going to find somebody and something good would happen afterwards. And what seems to be happening now, now that we have a nice fit and nabby, rested, focused, relaxed, relaxed being a key word here, you're seeing greatness. That's the only way I can describe it. You're seeing greatness because he's nice and relaxed. There's no pressure, right? We've won the league. It's done. There's no pressure on that front. And he can play his natural game. He can play nice and relaxed. And that creative midfield spark that he has in respect to seeing what's happening in front of him or putting the ball somewhere where somebody can run onto and then go and do something, you just saw in abundance today. There's anywhere and everywhere that he could be. Um, And how refreshing that is as well. You know, where a player who's shown you all the things he can do, and then sometimes it doesn't come when you want it to, or he gets injured and so you don't see him, and everyone goes, oh, yeah, look, don't get... I think I saw somebody on Twitter who, when I see him at a match next time, I'll say to him, if you want to explain this tweet to me, where he said, you know, don't get excited by him being oh, good for just one match. You know, he needs to do it consistently. I was thinking, like, what have you been watching, man? Like, tell me where Nabi's been shit. Just because people have, I wouldn't say people um, have short memories, but they seem to only remember what they want to at that moment in time. Conditioned. Yeah, huh? they're conditioned. But if you remember everything that he's done, in the season that he's been here, if you take away the injury periods, because let's face it, how can you judge somebody when they're injured? They're not bloody playing. What are you, what are you going to assess? Thin air. It's pointless. Um, but when he's played, has he looked out of shape? Has he looked out of um, mm. kilter with regards to the rest of the team? Has he looked like somebody that you sort of think, oh, look, get him off, get him off, get him off? I can't remember people screaming that. Other no. players, different story. You know, but we're not talking about other players right now. We're talking about Navi, and Navi has been Navi lad. Full stop. He has been, yeah, he has been Navi lad, and you know, you, you're kind of just speaking about him there and his injuries. Um, you know, the, you, you spoke about him in the league, but I even remember like quite significant moments in in the Champions League where he got injured. I remember he got injured against Napoli, and you know, you know, it was after his injury. I mean, I don't think we were overly great in that game, but it was after his injury where I think we lost that game. I, you know. And he got injured against Barcelona at the Camp Nou. And, you know, and, you know, and I remember those moments. I do remember those moments and I kind of do look at him and I do think that he does make a significant difference. Sam, I'm going to come to you. Talk to me about 
your thoughts on the player Naby Keita? I mean, what really impresses you? I think for me, he's just such a unique midfielder. I think people don't know how to read him because not only does he kind of dribble like defenders, I kind of saw him in the first half, like sort of taking the ball off players' feet and, you know, like holding quite a defensive, like, you know, stature about him. So, uh, you know, the floor is yours. I mean, what really impresses you about him? Yeah, first of all, I just want to say I was really impressed with Brighton today. I thought they had a proper goal at the Champions and, you know, they didn't just sit back. We just and they, they, that. No, they, you know, they, the champ, yeah, I just wanted to get the words the Champions in as many times as possible. Um, so, yeah, fair play to them. They, they gave it a real crack. They could see Liverpool had kind of mixed the lineup up a little bit, you know, put in an inexperienced Welshman. In you know out of position, and they had a go. Uh, fair play to them. But um, regards to Naby, we had a question a couple of weeks ago on the pod uh, asking who do I think will benefit the most from this kind of break that they'd had uh, coming back now after the COVID break, and I think Naby is is definitely one of the main people to have benefited from this. You know, as you said, he, he's been very underrated by a lot of fans over this period. And the, the main reason is because he's been unavailable a lot. And that's been due to in, injury, uh, mismanagement by his national team, trying to play him when he clearly wasn't fully fit and got him injured again. Uh, but, you know, there's never been any doubt whatsoever about the ability of this guy. Um, I don't know if you remember, there was a stats bomb uh, kind of graph doing the rounds at one point, And he was absolutely elite in every one of the metrics that you'd want a midfielder to be good at. It just shows that he is the complete midfielder and he's ideal for this Liverpool team. You know, Gags must absolutely love him because his pressing today was insane and you just saw what he can do when he's in that midfield. The amount of pressure he puts on the defences, it makes them panic mm. and it gets us the ball back and he was creating chance after chance purely by his pressing in that midfield. But, you know, not only that, it was his composure on the ball, um, his, his dribbling today as well. He'd go past the player as if they're not even there. He, uh, really, really, really was an all-round performance today from Naby. It really was. And one thing I have kind of noticed is, uh, as Gags has been watching some of the football um, since the restart, he's been saying, eh, i got to watch this game again. Like, kind of read his tweets in his voice. <laughs> I got clip the pressing on this game again. You can hear the disgust in his voice. And today he was just, he was just like, you know, just, um, just going on about Naby Keita and how, imp- how impressed he was. So I think Gags is going to have a lot of joy collecting those stats, certainly on Naby Keita. And I think we're all going to be really intrigued to see those numbers and what, what the under pressure lads make of his performance. I mean, before I go back to Nick, I just want to get your brief, um, I, I, I suppose actually, Nick, you can join us for this. This will be a nice little discussion. So, okay. Um, uh, um, you've heard what the lads have said. Um, I'm going to come to all of you, but. If Naby Keita stays fit and we're all hoping and praying that, you know, he stays fit and we want a really, really good positive season for him because you know what? It'll do, not only is it great for the team, it'll do him a world of good too because let's be honest, no player wants to be injured. I don't want another scenario of like a maybe of a Daniel Sturridge who's an absolutely talented footballer and, you know, just really, really struggle to shake off the injuries. So um, uh, it will be... um, interesting to see how you know like the midfield now because 
how how Jurgen Klopp kind of plays or how do we kind of how how will he feel the midfield how will it shape up in the future I mean what would be your personal preferences I know there's rumors about Thiago but I'm not going to talk about that just yet there's podcasts out there listen to um uh, Gags and Dave Hendrick talk about that one on AI Pro but um with the midfielders that we have right now people I mean who's your preferred so um I'll just come around the table and Nick I'll come to you first on this one actually Okay, cheers. Yeah, so like with um, yeah, the Thiago rumors are, are, are one side of things, but yeah, I, I think if you're looking at the creative, the creative side of the midfield three, um, we've got Ox and we've got maybe Shaq as a backup, but Cater needs to be that man. He needs to be the creative one of the three. So yeah, if he if he can. If he can really, really push on and, and succeed and become the real key player for us, then that's the spot he needs to grab. He needs to grab that creative part of the midfield free. Okay, and what about you, Sam? So if we're looking at the midfield for next season now, for example, uh, I think I'd go for a um, Welsh trio of uh, Harry Wilson, uh, Ben Woodburn, and Nico Williams. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think that would be a nice, uh, nice combo. No, but seriously, I reckon Fabinho and Keita, when they're both on the pitch together, I think we've got the absolute perfect balance in there. And I think Henderson as well. I think he's, he's still very underrated as a player. Um, I, th- I think he was excellent today. Um, yep. and, and I thought he was really good against Villa as well. Mm. Um, just made a massive difference, and he's you, you see what you're missing when he's not in the team. And I know you get a lot of criticism if you ever, you know, stand up for Henderson. Uh, but for me, I think if you got those three together, you've got a bit of everything. You've got the relentless running of Henderson and the organisation skills. Um, you've got the creativity of Keita with the pressing as well. Um, and the attacking nous. Um you've got Fabinho who can spray passes all over the place and protect the back four at the same time. It's a lovely little balance you got there. So for me, that would be the three I'd pick. Nice. And what about you, Harinda? I mean, would you have like a solid sort of midfield, like pretty much how the attack speaks for itself and how the defence kind of picks itself? You, It's always a midfield that we kind of look at and we always get a bit intrigued. I mean, do, do you think uh, who would be your preferred staple choice or do you see Klopp maybe rotating it depending on the opposition? Because sometimes you require different things from our midfielders and they are, they are all quite diverse. Um, I'm with Sam. I, I think Sam's nailed it in regards. Hmm. I would have said the same thing in respect to... Welsh trio, yeah. Yeah, Welsh trio. Uh, <laughs> no, that, that part I deliberately ignored. Um, I would have gone, yeah, Henderson, Fabinho... And um, Kato, and with with Henderson, with the Henderson position, that's the way the horses for courses kind of lie. So if you want to change, you can bring in Ginny. If you want to bring in Ox, bring in Ox. Um, or sometimes when you want to rest Kato, have a more interesting and let Ginny play that position instead. Because what seems to happen sometimes when you got Fab, Henderson, and Ginny is that all three kind of become a little bit reserved at times, rather than all swashbuckling, gung-ho, and, and throw you know, things to the abandon. Where that was different was obviously against Barcelona, second half, 
and Ginny comes on and it's just like, well, hey, off we go. Um, that kind of Ginny is awesome when you see that. Now, respective to Kato, I've seen him play in our own half and absolutely take the piss. And I always say this, I always mention the Crystal Palace match from the beginning of the 18-19 season because it was hilarious. He just took this person out in the Crystal Palace half, drove halfway up, the, literally to the other side of the field, and it nearly led to a goal. Yeah. We, we can see Naby is going to keep on working and keep on working hard as well. Now, that in itself makes you sit there and think, Anything could happen next season. Whether we bring somebody in or whether we don't, I don't know what we're going to do. You know, will Thiago come? Will he not? Will it be somebody else? I don't know. No, none of us really on the pod know. Because right? we're not Klopp. He's not going to ring us. He might ring you and you know, actually. I'll take that back. He's not going to ring me or Sam and tell us what's going on. He might ring you and tell you what's going on. But currently as it stands, if we presumed nothing was happening, then... Kata is going to be the live wire for next season, 100%. And how exciting is that? It is really exciting, considering you think about what he would kind of add to the midfield as well in terms of the attack, because, you know, a, a, you know, a constant attacking threat through the centre is something that sometimes I think we lack. You know, we, we focus a lot on our fullbacks and we focus a lot on the pace of our of our, you know, wide forwards, if you want to call them that, wide attackers. And then you you know, and then you have the intelligence of Roberto Firmino through the center. So I think, you know, just to have that link through the middle. But I mean, yeah, he's been absolutely incredible. And um uh, Nick, I'll I'll come back to you. So, you know, um uh, some very, very positive feedback there. I think with regards to Yes, you can come in. I missed your voice last week. So I'll have um I'm not doing no I'm 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 presuming everything. I'm assuming everything. Fuck that. If you if you're not an AI Pro subscriber, you gotta go listen to that pod. Um if you weren't convinced, you probably will be, even though we, we still think it's only twenty percent. My midfield three would be Fabinho Cater, Tiago. I mean that's 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 just the way it's gotta be, you know? That's just got to be happening this summer. Uh, jokes Why aside, are you trying to make every other Premier League team shit their pants? Jokes aside, um, the midfield three changes. Um, there, there isn't a midfield three. There's a different midfield three for important games. There's a mm-hmm. midfield three that can rotate. Um, he uses, at the moment, Fab, Ginny um, and Hendo for all the big ones that yes. he's really worried about. Um, so you could, you could say those are the three that do the role best for him. In what he wants, I think there needs to be an evolution. We've seen when we go away from home in Europe, we're we're not winning. Um, we've we've not won. Many Who games is usually that midfield that really doesn't work away from home? Is it? Is no, it? but it, it, it's any combination that doesn't have a, a carrier. So yeah. uh, Milner plays a lot. Yeah, it doesn't play. Um, mm-hmm. Kate hasn't been played. We haven't tried it. I think from next season. Um, say we don't sign anybody, Naby Keita has got to be um, a linchpin in the midfield, it has to with Fab, and then everybody else rotates. Um, Hendo's good, um, Ginny's good, you know, but one of them's enough in that in that midfield, not both. I think with their age as well coming going up, they, that that would be good to do. Um, the really positive side today is that Naby played sixty minutes after playing eighty minutes on on Sunday, and oh. and for us, one hundred and forty minutes. 144, 140 between that time 
at the end of the day, that that those type of numbers he hasn't been doing. So the biggest positive for for Liverpool this week has been that that Klopp is building this guy's um you know his chronic load, and that is so important because this is what was happening with Mo, Bobby, Mane in seventeen eighteen. If you look back, they were being taken off at really weird times in some games. Two of them would one would come off at forty five. One would come up at 55. Well, sorry. One would come up at 55, 165, 175. And in the game before, they were going up at 80, 70, something like that. But they were averaging between 140, 160 every week, every single week. If you go back and have a look, there are definitely times where you could have predicted Nabby's coming, uh, sorry, Bobby's coming off in the next five. And I used to do this in the stadium and people next to me, I don't know if you remember, Nin, your hearing's bad as well sometimes. But there was a few people. <laughs> Some people used to be um, really shocked. That like, how the fuck did you know that? Well, that's what happens when you subscribe to AI Pro and you you sit with pros like Simon Brundish and Marty Loughran, and they they go through all of this um, sports science with you. And honestly, it's um, it's a bit of a plug in in terms of the point as well. Sorry about that. I'm pretty dislike comfortable so join. Um, but um, at the end of the day, this is what you learn. And Nabi has got to be the next person that they do that with. And that is a massive positive today that he did that. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets rested now on Saturday. But mm-hmm. what would be really positive is if he plays again. But if he's rested on Saturday, it will be well earned. And it means that they're giving him that recovery so that maybe he can play two games, a Wednesday and a Wednesday um, for the other. But who knows if he plays or not in those. But my point is he needs to start becoming that, that, that linchpin in midfield and his performances since the restart. When whatever time he's played, show it, and uh, I think when we do under pressure, the next under pressure, you're gonna you're gonna see some mad numbers because literally, even though he's only played what you know six hundred seven hundred minutes, the numbers are off the charts for Naby Keita mm-hmm. in terms of everything, production, pressing. That yeah. it is an all round performance, and um, if you're still having doubts, get ready to be proven fucking wrong. Get ready. Love it, and you know what? I love. Thank you so much for providing those numbers there in terms of how many many minutes he's played in the space of like three days because I think a lot of people have like this sort of um I don't know the kind of condition to believe that it's a false storm with Naby Keita you know he has a few games and then he looks really good and then he gets injured you know and I feel like that's what they've kind of conditioned themselves to believe because that's what happens you know he he takes a game or two to kind of settle because he's kind of finding his fitness and form which is completely normal and then he gets really really good and then you kind of have attachment to him in terms of yes I really want this and then and then unfortunately he's had a few injuries with us um Nick I'm going to come to you I'll let you have the final say you've heard what everyone said you've heard the positive numbers from what Gags is suggesting, that it looks like that he is slowly peaking him up to, you know, being, um, you know, a regular. And that's great. And that, that's what we want to see, because you're right. That is the narrative, is that he's, he's 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 great and he has the potential and he has the ability, but he, but he hasn't proved it yet. So if he can move on and now prove it in the next season or two, that then that would be brilliant. Uh, I think... I think our uh, midfield three for the next season has to be Fabinho and then one of either Hendo or Ginny and then Keita. And, and if Thiago comes in, then that upsets the boat a little bit. But as it is right now, it's Fab, Keita. It doesn't upset. It improves the boat. No, yes, it the improves. Boat, boat it does. Yeah, you're right. Yacht. It becomes yeah, a yacht. And it, right. it, just, it just destroys everyone. Then we yeah. field 12 men because we're Liverpool and we do what we want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so there you go. 
Thanks. I mean, we are technically, uh, you know, we're quite a short team. I think it should be on height. <laughs> we've not hit the height requirements. On height? Yeah, we're a short team, aren't we? Okay, well, Fabinho's clearly in there then. Yeah, Fabinho's tall, Henderson's quite tall, Gomez is tall, and Virgil van Dijk's tall. The rest of them are really short. Naby Keita, I think, is the same height as me. That yeah. fucking goalkeeper, such a midget, eh? Shaq's out of the question completely. Alisson's tall as well. But the rest of them are tiny. And my teeth, actually. But the rest of them are really, really short. Yeah. You've just described half the team as being tall. Just going to put that out there. No, the front three is small. I know that you'd like to butcher names. Stop butchering numbers. I know. We're, 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 we're a petite I know team. that you can't see very well. I know you can't hear very well either. So do you need gags to provide subtitles? <laughs> we are a petite team. Do not disagree with me. Gags, hey, uh... can you type it into the chat? Nina, Nina, I, I'm oh, only, wait, hang on. No, she won't be able to see it. I'm only five foot four, so I'm I'm with you on the short asses team, by the way. If it makes you feel better, I'm five three, so you're still taller than me. Yay! Yay. <laughs> right, uh, allegedly. Jesus. Okay. Destroyed the pod, I'm off. All right. Cheers then, guys. I'll, I'll speak to you later. Thanks. Thank yeah, cheers, guys. On. I'm off too. Have a good show. <laughs> Thank you. If anyone, wants to, if anyone wants to call in, um, just drop us um, a line in the chat box and we can get you on. And whilst we're waiting, okay, so that was Nick, our first caller. Now what I want to do is I want to talk about, you know, again, something that we were quite excited about. And Sam, I'll come to you first. Um, Nico Williams, I mean, talk to me about him. Uh, he looked really impressive. He looked fearless. I think it's something what Harinda touched on it earlier on in the pod. We're champions. We're, it's done and dusted. You know, play, you know, play, you know. Now is the time that you can kind of play these youngsters because this was a debate that we had on our podcast a few weeks ago. This is like the perfect time to do it. There's no pressure. Go out, enjoy your football. He looked really good. He put in um, a great block. Um, and he played in a gorgeous ball as well. And you know, he was he was going for it for the challenges. And you know, um. I, I thought he had an overall very, very good, um, you know, kind of debut. Yeah, you know, to be fair to Nico, right, he got plonked in at left back mm. when he's a very, very right-footed player. Mm. Um, just just because Robo had a bit of a bit of a knock in the previous game, didn't he? And so they thought, as you said in the pod previously. Um, this might be a good chance for us to slot in the odd youngster now and again, you know, just one of them into the eleven. Um, they can carry themselves pretty well. And, you know, it was a bit of a mixed bag from Nico. You could see going forward that he's got a lot of potential, a lot of talent, very, very confident boy on the ball. Um, but obviously you could see he looked slightly uncomfortable in the left left back slot and got caught out a few times. Do, do but... you think, you know, with him being caught out as well, I know this kind of ties in um, a little, but do you think it was probably down to the fact that maybe what was going on on, on that side of the pitch? I, mean, I don't think Ox was overly great in terms of covering him as well. You know, that maybe yeah. if it was the, the starting regular, maybe the situation might have been different for him. Yeah, it was a really tough side to actually make a debut on. Uh, mm. That Lamptey at right back for Brighton was very, very impressive. And yes. he's absolutely lightning as well. Um, he looked a really, really bright prospect he did. And he's only 19 himself, I think. Um, so he had he, him to deal with. And as you said, obviously, 
Ox isn't the best at providing cover at times and can switch off a bit. So it was a really challenging game for him, but I think it'll be a really good experience for him. And as a few people pointed out, um, they think maybe the fact that he had a yellow card as well probably yes. paid to the chances that he had of maybe continuing to play in the second half. So I'm sure it, you know, it wasn't one of your unceremonious removals of a player when they've had a stinker and, you know, totally ruin their confidence. I'm, I'm fully of the opinion that Klopp would have praised him up a lot at half-time, mm-hmm. but just kind of played the... The fact that he had a yellow card gave Klopp quite an easy out, actually, that he could just say, look, you know, we got to sub you because we can't take the risk of you getting a red card. So, you know, that you played well, but, um, you know, live to fight another day. Absolutely. And I'm not even going to lie, when he got that booking, I was like, you can't do that, he's a kid. And like then I was like, oh, you know what, he has been a bit like, he's been a bit feisty today. You know, he's had a few of them. But I, I think a lot of people agree with you there in terms of why Klopp took him off. I thought it was sensible. Um, and also he would have been so targeted. And had he been targeted in the second half, that then does shatter the boy's confidence. You know, then that's like a, you know, you're potentially, you're at breaking point there. Harinda, talk to me about um, Nico Williams. I mean, it's it's been quite an exciting week for Liverpool. You know, Curtis Jones scores, signs a contract. Harvey Elliott signs a contract. A bit gutty that we didn't see him, but again, a really exciting prospect. Nico Williams, every time he comes on, you know, the the small bursts of, you know, appearances that he's been on, he's looked quite impressive, but it was really good to see him sort of get his, like, his start. Indeed. Um... Nice, sprightly, full of energy, and willing to try, you know, willing to try something new. And mm. it's obviously not going to be easy coming into a, a team like that, and obviously taking Robbo's place at the beginning of the half. Um, the one thing that was, I wouldn't say worrying for me, because he's learning. When Tarek Lamptey had realised that he's got his number, Brighton also as a whole realised this, and. When they took their, it's almost like when they took their water break. Yeah, you know, they said, you know, let's try this because after that we got to the thirty-minute odd mark, and then obviously Terry Lamptey just said, oh, I'm just going to go for it against Nico, and kept on getting past him. So you could see once when he gets past him, you see Nico trying to reach out with his arms and stop him. And it was just like an under-18s or under-23s match where you see somebody going past another player, the player from the youth team would turn around use his arm to try and drag the person back or you know, try and get an arm around the person's shoulder to bring him backwards a little bit. And Tarek rolled the first challenge. I think that's what led to the second challenge being the booking for Nico. Um, and speaking of Nico, had a hurry red nap. He's not Nico Cranchar. I had it. to tweet that. That had me in stages. I'm sorry. And, and speaking, of, uh, <laughs> Nico, uh, speaking of Nico Williams, and then you can carry on, Harinda, um, someone who has post, put in some quotes, Lubo, thank you, Lubo, um, Neil Jones, um, um, a club on Nico Williams uh, was taken off because he was on a yellow card. The quote was, we didn't protect him well enough. I cannot tell him not to make a challenge anymore. That was my only reason. I liked a lot how he played. So there you go, Sam. Um, back to you, um, Harinda. Yeah. You, you, you need to be a cruel bastard, really, to not like the way Nico played. Mm. You, you would be a hater of life in general, Yeah, I would say. That seems a bit cliche, but let's, let's face it. He's a kid. And you know what? He's impressed enough to be able to get a starting berth and let Robbo have a rest. And also, he's integrated well with the team. What more do people want? 
from their kids sometimes. I, I wonder about this. But um, leaving that aside, it'll be interesting to see what he does against Burnley on Saturday. Because I have a sneaky suspicion he'll play Nico again. Especially given today. Didn't look out of sorts. Yeah. In regards to protection, we'll talk about the midfield, I'm sure. But he's right. There were times when Nico was protected. You know, that somebody got past Nico and there was somebody there to cover up. Uh, sorry, cover him. And then there were times where, in front of him, there was nothing from people who should know better. Three midfielders, actually, who should probably know better. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why I say that is, in a game where a said journalist who doesn't seem to like Naby Keita a lot and is based in Liverpool had a field day um, about the Torino match. And that's going back some. That's what, 17, 17 18 season finishes. That was a friendly, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a friendly, yeah. Yeah, I, rem- I remember you guys going to it. You went to it, right? I, I went to the Torino friendly, yeah. Yeah. At the, I think it was the August 2018. Mm. Yeah. Navigators obviously just come in after being bought the season before. And I thought you played really well. But there's one point where Albi Moreno is a one-on-one against somebody from Torino and he's not being covered. Klopp says nothing to Albi, destroys, shouting, effing, blinding to Navigator. And then you see Navigator change his whole game. I thought it was amazing. You know, it's like whereby first game's playing, you know, and Klopp's had a go at him. He's taken it on the chin. And he just adapts and, and carries on in in a plum. But then said journalist, based in Liverpool, no names mentioned, had a cra- just had a go at Naby Keita. And he's been having a go at Naby Keita ever since. I always sit there and think, you know what? Why? Why do that? Because somebody's actually listened and learned. But today we have experienced midfielders who should know better than to leave their left back exposed and allow him to be subjected to someone being targeting him you know so something to something to think about um so if, if that's something that Klopp said today then I think it'll be interesting for Saturday indeed absolutely and we'll kind of talk about the midfield but first um I think we kind of got to talk about, you know, what kind of happened. And um, I think the first seven minutes was where we got our two goals. Um, Liverpool looked really comfortable and settled in really quick. And uh, Sam, I'll come to you first goal. Um, I have no idea. I mean, Brighton started off really ropey, right? Because, like, I, don't, I have no idea what was going on with them in terms in, in terms of a defensive setup and a shape. They were trying to play out from the back. They didn't look overly comfortable. I saw them doing this against Man United as well. They're not very good at it, and I don't think they should do it. But, I mean, you know, you've got, you, you're playing against a team that likes to press, and, you know, I can't remember which defender it was, looked really uncomfortable. Naby Keita presses him, takes the ball from him, plays it across. Roberto Firmino just leaves it, and Mo Salah, you know, easy, easy finish for Mo Salah. I mean, talk to me about that. It, I can't remember what minute it was on. Was it on, like, the second or third minute or something? Yeah, t- to be fair to Brighton, right? They're they're, they're trying to play football, and I, I always applaud a team, you know, on the lower ends of the the league table. They're looking like they're probably going to be safe, but um, you know, they're, they're they're trying to play football. 
and that's something that Potter has always done. And yeah. I think, you know, if they hadn't, I know obviously it cost them the first two goals. And again, you, you know, as you've seen in that first goal, Naby with a great press. But, you know, if they hadn't played that style, then they wouldn't have challenged us so much in this match. So, yeah, I, mean, you know, I was going to get to that whole thing. Um, I, I was yeah. just talking about the initial start of, of the game. Yeah, so, you know, regards to that goal, um, fantastic pressing yet again from Naby. They just couldn't handle him you know he, he comes out so explosively as soon as he kind of he lulls him into a false sense of security and he just bang just explodes uh and and he knows the exact moment the trigger point when he's supposed to press and he catches so many players off guard and I think he really did surprise them with that first goal and then it was a lovely little knock inside um not sure if he was aiming for Firmino or not uh, but for me, no, ever the unselfish man knew that maybe Salah was in a better position and just let it roll through to him. And a, a lovely little side-footed finish by Salah. Oh, he was still pissed. I'm really messing. I'm messing. I'm messing. I've, I've, yeah, um, it was lovely. And uh, I'll come to you, Havinda. I mean, <laughs> I was quite surprised to see Liverpool take the lead so early on, you know, given the fact that, you know, you know, against Aston Villa, let's be honest, they didn't look the best. We got the job done. We we did it in the second half. But, you know, the first half, it was that really dragging time, really did stand still with that game. And against Man City, I mean, we had some really good chances but in in the first half. But had we finished them, of course, that game would have been very different and had Sam obviously done the post-match calling, you know, because he's, um, you know, he's a good luck charm. But for me, I was actually really surprised at how um, alert and how quick Liverpool were, were kind of like in terms of like, you know, being alert and, you know, pouncing on a potential mistake from Brighton. So, you know, you talk to me about that goal. I think Brighton was shit. <laughs> too fair. The first 13 minutes seemed like 25 to me because they weren't going slowly. But, you know, when you're in the middle of action, and things are going really, really fast. And it's really nice. And then you suddenly look at the clock. And you think, oh, gosh, so much time has gone by. And at that 2-0 point, I had flashbacks about Liverpool versus Arsenal where, you know, get one goal, six, seven minutes, another goal, 30 minutes, another goal, 20-something minutes, another goal. And I thought, maybe this is what's going to happen to Brighton. Um, Brighton obviously backed up their ideas post the water break. Um, but up until that point in time, I thought we were awesome. And with regards to the, with regards to the first goal, it was just funny. You know, literally, it's Liverpool proper alert. There's nothing that Brighton could have done about it. And just caressed so it's, you know, the beautiful man that is most of that caresses the ball into the back of the net and that's the end of that 1-0 and then for the second goal it's almost similar but it's Henderson he nicely curls it in and you're like going this could be anything you want it to be that was a sweet strike by Henderson as well uh, yeah um, we've seen him try it a few times but normally there's defenders blocking it or something like that and then it just mm. looks a bit as if you know uh, he has, he's tried a shot and it's not come off. Um, there's somebody else. Um, I think Ox has a similar chance when he hits it. But I think that's in the second half before he gets taken off. At the end of the day, I think Liverpool could have done anything they wanted to to this team. You know, if if we still had the league to play for, would it have surprised anybody if it was four 0 by half time? Given the way that Liverpool started the match, they wouldn't have let Brighton come back into it, I think. 
Interesting. And um, we will we will kind of talk about that whole situation. Um I'm gonna come to Sam. Sam talked to me about Henderson's goal. Uh just a sweet, sweet strike. Yeah, well, it, again, uh, even though the other players were pressing really well to kind of force the error, um, Kate was the one there then to make the intercept to get us back on the front foot and then, you know, backpedalling. But, um, yeah, I think it, it was um, Saleh himself, wasn't it, that just not, notched it back to Henderson. And I've been quite critical of Henderson's shooting um, in front of goal. He's always quite wasteful and... And does tend to, you know, knock it into the stands quite often, leaning back. But that was a lovely technique with that with that shot. I don't know whether he has been practicing in the, in the break, but he seems to be striking the ball a lot better recently. Um, and he had another effort in the second half as well that was well hit and unlucky was blocked and deflected wide. So yeah, lovely strike again. Um, Gerard-esque you could say I suppose uh, and the captain as well so I'm really happy for Hendo it's been just such a great season for Henderson I think it's all the years of hard work that he's put in trying to prove people wrong year after year people doubting him thinking he's not good enough people saying he's the worst captain to ever captain Liverpool and all this and then he's thrown this back in their face European champion Premier League champion and a great goal to top it off today yeah Absolutely wonderful stuff. And you know what? I'm going to talk to you now because it's 2-0. I'm thinking, right, I don't know how you guys are feeling, right? Because this is such a weird time to be watching Liverpool play. You know, usually when our season's over, it's because we've been really, really disappointing. And our season's been over since Christmas and we're not even going to get European football. Yes, I've, you know, we've seen those days. And now you're sat here, you're champions, and you're watching games and you're like, I'm just watching it for enjoyment there's no attachment you know like yeah I want Liverpool to beat the the you know I want Liverpool to have like the highest points accumulated of course I do but what I'm saying is like it just feels like a very very relaxing state and we were at 2-0 and Harinda I'll come to you and I agree with you for the first 13 minutes I was like these lot are dreadful you know they were panicking you know they were kind of forcing themselves into errors and I was like this is going to be a field and I thought if this carries on we, I might actually start my skincare regime to save some time, you know. And you know, like, I was like, thinking of all the things I can do because this is just smooth sailing for me. And then, Herinda, you kind of touched on something. And then, you know, you, you wanted to speak about the midfield, but then I felt like, and you know, to kind of echo what I said and what Sam has said, and a lot of people have probably thought this as well. Brighton started really getting into the game; their heads didn't drop, but a lot of it was down to us making really, really silly mistakes. So or failing to be alert to things. It was almost like we kind of turned really casual. And I'm not having a go at the players because, listen, the champions, you know, like, it's, it's they're, they're absolutely knackered. I heard Graham Souness say, um, I think there was a snippet on Sky Sports News earlier on today saying, look, I've been in this situation where you're champions. It's really hard to stay focused. These guys have worked hard for two years solid. You know, Klopp is not going to get on their backs, you know, Right now, yeah. he, you know, it's it's hard to do. So, you know, talk to me about, you know, so, uh, how yeah, the, the the sooner stuff was pre match, right? So when he's talking, oh, so it's pre match. So I knew yeah. I heard it somewhere, but I've been watching just so she much. Talks, so yeah, just to just because we like tangents on this pod, of course. Who the fuck is Matt Murray? I was thinking, you know, I don't remember Matt Murray at all from any point of any era of any football whatsoever but he's obviously made it onto a sky sports pundit role so 
fair play to him, but I sit there and think, who the fuck is this? Um, then obviously Sui said what he said in regards to um, Liverpool and players and uh, being in a similar position. And at 2-0, when they start taking their foot off the gas, you are left thinking, why? The things that you've seen in the midfield one okay, for... Can I just stop you there? I had to Google Matt Murray. English goalkeeper for Wolverhampton. I, I don't remember him at all. Yeah, he spent his entire career at Wolverhampton. He's 39 years old and he just had like a whole lot of injuries. So one of those unlucky players, I guess you could say. He's fortunate to make it, as I said, to a punditry gig on Sky Sports, right? <laughs> you know, um, I'm not saying that there were scraping the barrel or anything like that because I think that's a bit unfair to anybody who actually gets into that kind of position but as I said I just couldn't remember him for, for love or money and I was just at the whenever he spoke I was like going what did you do for Wolves exactly um, anyway we digress coming back to 2-0 and our midfield and everybody else you almost see the lack of running and intelligence you can just see it kind of start creeping in where the balls they would have run for a bit harder before or things that wouldn't happen. You wouldn't let someone get past you like that. And you could see the positions that Brighton were putting themselves into. And you could kind of write the script as to what was going to happen next. They were going to get wide. They would be able to get past one defender or one midfielder and they're going to try and cross it. And it might be a half-decent cross because they threatened a few before the goal went in. You know, It wasn't a case of whereby it was a complete shock in regards to uh, Lamptey putting one over and then uh, Trossard scoring. Because I think it was about two minutes before, three minutes before, uh, Trossard had gone down because he believed he'd been elbowed or slapped in the face by Joe Gomez or somebody. And even in those passages of play, they were getting into the right positions, but we were letting them. We were letting them for 15 minutes so they got that, that half. We were letting them do whatever they wanted to do almost. Um, so that should we worry about that degree of abandon? No, truth be told. Why would you? You know, it's, it's like you said, you, you watch these games and you're not too bothered in respect to what's happening because you're watching it for entertainment. Um, and you're already entering a football match being divorced from the result simply because the ultimate result's already been done. Yeah. Now it's all about will they, won't they, in regards to records and this, that, and the other. And yeah, they're nice. They're icing on top of the cake. But we're eating our cake quite nicely whether we get that extra icing on top of it or not. You know, I was watching that game and Daisy, who doesn't like football, she, my cat that is, by the way, she's a black and white cat, and she only watches teams. I told you this, her in the show. Postman Pat. Hey? Postman Pat. Yeah, Postman Pat, yeah. <laughs> and she only watches teams that wear black and white. I've, I've told you this, haven't I, Harinda? And you know no, what? I, she, I didn't know she was a Newcastle, West Bromwich, come something else. Man. And Juventus. She, you know, like she, she, she pays attention Notts to them. Notts County. If you know, you if you know, you know. Notts you County. Know, you know, you know, because the original was pink. Yep. And um, what was I going to say? So she watches teams that wear black and white, and Liverpool were playing, and they tune it up, and she sits up and pays attention, and then she kind of disappears when you know. Uh, the, the blue and whites were kind of playing their game. Sam, I'm going to come to you. Talk to me about that. You kind of spoke about, I, I, and I do agree with you. I thought, you know, Brighton, I have to give them credit for not dropping their heads. You've kind of, um, you know, 
highlighted that they do play football the right way. And I do agree with you because, you know, teams like Aston Villa and I suppose their backs are against the wall. They, they're a lot more defensive. These guys did want to play, but like I felt like their playing was, um, I think they got a lot of inspiration from us lot being a little bit too casual. Yeah, I think it's inevitable that, that we were going to be a little bit lax, going 2 0 up so early in the game. We've already won the league. You know, we're, we're cruising at that point, aren't we? So I think there was always going to be a bit of, you know, putting your foot off, pulling your foot off the gas a little bit for this team. Um, but I just want to point out, guys, we have now hit over 90 points again this season. That's two seasons in a row now that we're over 90 points. Um, Gags put the tweet in the chat box earlier that um, Cy Brandish had put out saying that we've got more points after 34 games than Man United have ever recorded in a Premier League season when there's been 38 game seasons. That's just insane that we're in this position. Um, you know, we've got the sixth highest points tally of Premier League history at this point, and we've got four games to go. It's it's you know such an exciting thing. It's what what was the other stat? Uh, we've now hit thirty wins in the first thirty four games, which is a record. You know the the fastest time any team's ever got to thirty wins. And the reason why we've got to that is the way that we're winning these games. You know, Man City now again all applauded to get another five nil win. Who gives a shit? They've lost nine games this season. That's not consistency. That's, you know, streaky stuff that we were doing previously. We were throwing in 6-0 wins against Watford at home, but then losing some of the important games. This is a consistent team, and it doesn't matter what teams are throwing at us. Teams like Brighton can play some excellent stuff like they have today, but this team knows how to win. And sometimes we've got to do it from the bench like we have to today just to make sure that we secured the game. But this team knows how to win when we play well and when we don't. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, and Sam, do you want to kind of talk about their goal? Um, I, again, I, I thought that was a wonderful strike. Yeah, um, again, it was. It, that was one of the biggest cock-ups with us. Um, Nico lost his man a bit there. Lamptey, again, very, very good going forward. And I'm not. Sh- I think Ox had switched off as well at that point, uh, but there was still a hell of a lot to do, and he just kind of put a, a nice ball into the middle. But it was one hell of a finish, uh, to be fair, as uh, Trossard won it. Um, lovely finish, to be fair to the guy. I don't think we could have done much about that. You know, he was pointing backwards and managed to swivel, connected with it so sweetly first time, and into the bottom corner. And you know, even though Allison was absolutely immense again today so I hope we get on to him in a bit but there's absolutely nothing he could have done to stop that one Yeah absolutely and then of course we do go into the second half and Harinda I mean uh, you know Jurgen Klopp instantly makes um, a sub at half time brings on Robert for Robbo for uh, Nico Williams which makes complete and utter sense given the fact that he was on a yellow card we've kind of discussed this and um, and then of course um we look absolutely fine, but then I think for me the the difference was when when we kind of revert back to um, the, the the usual starting eleven, and I felt like that's where you know we we started looking in control again. That's when balance came back to the force. Yes. 
Lubo just wants to say Alison actually slipped on their goal as well. Thank you, Lubo. Lubo, you have been spamming my chat with all these quotes. It's just nice to hear something from you. Hey, Lubo, shout out to you. You're awesome. Um, back to you, uh, Harinda. Um, lost my train of thought really now because you think yeah, I said the, the guys the went, indeed yeah so they, they walk balance back to the force right in essence when you've got Fabinho coming on you know it's going to sharp shop no, no one's going to get beyond him really and that did seem to scupper a lot of Brighton's chances and obviously you've got Ginny on you've got Naby Kate sorry um, Sadia Mane on as well and at that point in time we could have done anything we wanted to we could have scored two more, three more even, if Mo wanted to pass to Nabi. Sorry, to <laughs> Nabi. But Nabi Cater on my mind uh, to Sadio, or Sadio wanted to pass to Mo. But obviously, they've got this thing going on, this lover's tryst, which says, if you don't pass to me, I'm not going to pass to you when I'm open. And if you don't let me score, I'm not going to let you score. Which, you know, I'm, I don't know what was going on today there. It just seemed to not be on the same wavelength on that side of things. But yeah, that's when normal service was resumed. And realistically, there's nothing left uh, for Brighton to be able to offer back in that perspective. Yeah, and of course, um, you know, it was sort of, um, I'll come to you, Sam, because it was, um, again, uh, Robbo with the corner and uh, Mo Salah gets um, his second goal of, of the game. I mean, he could have had a hat-trick today, to be fair. Um, he did have a header at the end, which, you know, he should have scored. Um, but talk to me about that goal. Um, pretty standard stuff. Um, and it made us very, very comfortable again. Because before that, he had another chance um, uh, earlier on in the first half where he could have made it 3-1. I think, you know, Mosala had um, his movement. I feel like it's so underrated, the way he kind of shakes players off. Yeah, absolutely. I. I was kind of pissed off with the commentary, how they kind of made it sound like a complete fluke of a goal, as if Robbo had sliced his cross or something. Um, but you could just see the the run from Salah. He knew it was coming near post uh, and he sprinted that area and it was a lovely little header, then flick on header. Um, even though I was convinced that that was on purpose, Robbo has tweeted, I don't know if you've seen it, um, him high-fiving Salah. And he's put down, I was aiming for the birthday <laughs> boy. Moment. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, he's class with his banter on Twitter, fair play to him. But, you know, I think that is purely banter. And I, I think he definitely picked him out personally. Uh, the, otherwise, you know, Salah's run was so intense to that front post. It's a run that he makes when he knows that there's a bloody chance for a goal. And, you know, he was desperate for goals today, Salah. I think maybe... He's, he started to look at the games left in the season and the amount of goals away from the golden boot that he was. And he was absolutely determined to notch at least one today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just love the fact that he beat the keeper at the near post. Uh, Herinda talked to me about that goal. I mean, not that I had any anxiety, but I was just like, yes. I was more, um, I'm at that stage now where I just want to collect points as many as possible, and I just kind of want Mosala to win the Golden Boot for you know, like the universe yeah. does not want Jamie Vardy to have the Golden Boot. <laughs> I agree with the universe. I don't think anybody would feel different. To be fair, 
Um, no, they would. Not. It, it was a great goal. It's it's interesting that he's obviously taking it away from Virgil Van Dijk on his birthday. That's some next level cruel. Honestly, that that's you know that's almost borderline Harry Kane level cruel. And you going to go there. Yeah, I want the goal. It's my goal. My goal. My goal. No, you can't have it. Kind of thing. So, it, but it's it's a nice kind of cool. You want that kind of selfishness and determination from your players, especially the goal scorers, because goals win games, as well as tight defenses and clean sheets and all that kind of good stuff. But it's Mo Salah. He does what he does best. He lets me use those gifts of him dancing. The person who doesn't let me use the gifts of anything or even the bloody selfie anymore is Bobby Firmino. You know, if we're talking about shine and luster, we can also talk about lackluster in the same moment. Um, I'm not sure what's going on with old Bob. My selfie with him is now collecting dust on my phone. I don't even know if it's ever going to come out again this season. Come on, Bob, what's what's going on here? With, with Salah and everything else and Manet, we know where we stand with them, you know, but it's in, I know we haven't got a question that's come in from anybody, but I do want to talk a little bit about Bob. Remember that, film from, remember that film way back when, early 90s, What About Bob? No, I <laughs> don't. With Bill Murray and Richard Dreyfus. Well, What About Bob? What's going on, man? Um, there was a couple of times today where I thought he was clean on to shoot. I thought, mm. you know, he was going to bury it. Um, I think he had one shot, which was saved by... Was it Matt Ryan in goal? Yeah. But I, just come on, I, I do feel that but either Bobby's holding himself back or Bobby just sits there and thinks, you know what, it's job done. I'm, I'm here to make space and maybe look a bit nice and flash. Mm-hmm. And occasionally if I get a chance, I might try and hammer one in. But otherwise, I'm not really going to try and score anymore. I'll just let everyone else do all the hard work of scoring. I'll do all the hard work of moving, positioning, and it may not look so great because not everyone can see what I'm doing, but I know what I'm doing. It's a weird conundrum. It really is. I'm not because Bobby doesn't need to look amazing for you to realise that he's doing something for the team. I think we can all take that as a given. Just yeah. life now, right? And then you get the dipsticks who sit there and go, "Oh, Anthony Martial scored more goals than Bobby Firmino. Look, Mason Greenwood's done this." Neither of those fuckers have got a league title. Or a Champions League title. Or a Super Cup. Or World Club Champions. Then They've done none of that in the last year. Probably Firmino has. Just going to put that out there to you United people. You know, that you get, seem to get really excited by numbers that seem to be in your favour for a while. But overall mean next to nothing. Or as you may mm. understand the language of fuck all. Um, but what about Bob right now? For us, he seems to be doing his things, but then, I don't know, there is, there is something just not quite there right now. And I think maybe it's either the peroxide for the hair or whatever hair dye he uses. Is it peroxide? Peroxide makes you go blonde, doesn't it? What makes well, you go well, 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 you'd, you'd know this stuff. I've had the same hair colour for I have no idea what you put so in my head. So he's naturally got dark hair, so he has to go lighter to have red put onto his hair. So any colour that anyone with black hair or dark hair has, you have to have it bleached and then you add the colour. So you're right. He's had to okay. go through a bleaching process. 
it seems to have affected his game. Either the fumes associated with that or when the dye seeps into your hair. I don't know. But there is just something not quite clicking with him. You know, he's not looking like his usual Bobby self. But then he's doing his Bobby things. This is the thing that's really did my head in. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what you guys think about this. You know what? Um, it's actually a really good topic because it was something that was raised on the last show as well. And um, for me as a whole, uh, you know, he, t- for me today, Sam, he did get into a few goal-scoring opportunities. I, I felt like, you know, he, he could have scored. I mean, he was completely selfless and you touched on that. And, you know, just touching on what Harinda said there about people saying such a players had more goals than him and such a players had more goals than him and stuff. For me, I... I when I look at a player like Bobby Firmino and we've all watched football for so long and there's always a player that you kind of think oh he reminds me of him or you know of that player from the 90s or 80s or you know whenever you start watching football but for me I genuinely think Roberto Firmino is like he's really unique I can't compare him to anyone from past and there's certainly nobody in the modern game who plays like him you know considering he's meant to be like a false nine he he he's really about sharing the goals or doing the graft work behind them. It's just so unreal and unique. But talk to me about this. I mean, he's yeah, he's not scoring goals, but I'm not concerned because, like what Harinda just said, there he does put in a graft behind them. Yeah, well, the, if you ever doubt what Firmino brings to this team. I think the last game against Aston Villa was an excellent example to show you exactly what he does. You you don't notice it sometimes when he's on the pitch, but a lot of his best work is off the ball. And as soon as he came on to replace Origi against Aston Villa, our attack suddenly yes. came alive again. You know, and yep. it's it was it was no coincidence that what he does is all of the unselfish stuff, as you guys have touched on. He, he create space for the other players on the pitch. There was some nice analysis. Um, I think it was Michael Owen's analysis from the uh, Villa game, uh, just bigging up Firmino's movement off the ball, which creates a lot of space for other players. And it was for the Mane goal that opened the scoring against Villa. He just made a slight little run, which opened the gap up nicely for Keita to pass it into Mane for him to score. And I think that's what he brings to the team more than anything better than anyone is intelligence and his intelligence is why Salah and Mane are scoring so many goals because he is putting in the hard yards. The reason why we're so good is because every player in this team has got a role and I think Firmino has mastered that role. Um, I'll agree with Arinda, maybe he's not at his 100% you know, best and sharpest that he is, but you know, a poor performance from Firmino Nine out of ten is better than Origi on his absolute best day. So, you know, for me, he's an absolute vital player, and I think he's extremely underrated overall. <clears throat> I think a majority of Liverpool supporters would have to absolutely agree with you that um, uh, he's vital. When he plays good, we play good. He's off the ball stuff. I, you know, where you've got pacing in Mane and Salah, they have other skills and attributes as well that sort of complement how they play. I think what we can all agree is, um, I think Roberto Firmino is like the intelligence, you know, the, to pick out a pass. Um, you know, I also feel like he's that player that 
especially against Man City when when we played them in the past, it's always him that has to be the catalyst of of the press against that defense because they just don't like playing against him. And you know that's meant to be like one of the best teams ever. I know their defense is a bit off, but as a whole, I love him. I I adore him. I love his graft. I love the fact that he's so unique. I also love the fact that opposition fans don't get him. I love the fact that we've got such a kind of hipster footballer who's so great that they don't understand him. I mean, even somebody like, um, I think it was Graham Hunter who was actually on the Euro Incision podcast and he says to me, because I see you talk about him, but I've not seen enough about Liverpool, but I don't know what he does. And I'm like, just watch him, just watch him off the ball. Unfortunately, he didn't, he didn't play in, you know, in, in the return leg against them at, you know, at Anfield, but you know, that is the kind of player he is. Guys, we have pretty much come to the end of this podcast. I think we've kind of discussed all the major points. It's been, you know, pretty quiet. There's been a lot of people joining us on Discord, but they've been very quiet. They just kind of want to listen or have a chat amongst themselves, which means they're probably sick to death of us. Um, is there anything from the game that you kind of want to highlight or want to talk about? And then we'll move on to Man of the Match. Harinda, I'll come to you first. For a brief moment... And in the 92nd minute, did you think Minamino was going to get his first goal? Because I did. I thought, that's it, it's happening. That's that. And I was like, yeah, shot, come on. Yep. Yeah. I was like, oh, come on, dude. You're so close. <laughs> so, so close. But other than that, there isn't really anything else. You, this is the thing now. With, with our press. <laughs> With our fanciful procession to the title, when we were 23-something points ahead of people in second place, like that gap was bigger than the Watford gap, let's face it. Um, mm-hmm. the, the pods now are, are such a joy, because you just relaxed. You know, you can win, you can lose, you can draw, the game could be abandoned. You don't have to care, because we've won it. We, we've, and I said this last time as well, we've done the thing that we've been waiting ages to do. And it's done. It's sealed, you know. And we can pump around and parade around, and to our heart's content, and be as unbearable as we want to be. Because none of us can do anything about it. They can't suddenly, you know, the whole null and void posse shut up very quickly. The whole oh my god, it must be asterisked have fucked off to oblivion somewhere, nowhere to be seen again. Because they've all realised that had it been null and void, or there's an asterisk involved there'll be an asterisk involved for all of them, for anything that they do. Especially those that are teetering in fifth place or below and and wondering about their Champions League status dependent upon somebody being knocked out, sorry, being banned. So while they contemplate their lives or lack of, we don't have to contemplate anything apart from being as unbearable as we want to be, which is rather fun. Which is rather fun, and you know, I could get used to this. Please, twenty-five more, twenty-five more years of this, please, or even longer. I'll take it. You know, wait long enough. I'll tell you what, though, if all the things that are going to happen to City actually do happen to City, and one of them is the fact that they get a points deduction twenty times, uh, you, you know, a United away is going to be hilarious because it'd be caused by their neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> so. That could get really interesting. Yeah. Uh, considering they were all, you know, rejoicing in, you know, them winning the title last season. Uh, I don't forget. I don't think any of us will forget. Uh, 
Sam, I'll come to you. Any final thoughts from the game? Anything you want to say? And then we'll move on to Man of the Match and get some plugs. Yeah, um, and with her end, I thought Minamino might have been scoring there. He just got a little nudge from the defender, which he could have gone down for, I suppose, but he wanted to score and it, it did push him a bit wide, unfortunately. But I just wanted to point out, you know, how under the radar Alisson's brilliance goes every week. We're just so used to how immense that guy is now that we don't even notice that, you know, the, the key contribution that he's making to us. Um Info goals got the XG for this game as 2.83 to Brighton to our 2.28. So Brighton actually had better XG and they created five big chances as they kind of determined them. Five big chances and they only scored one goal. That contribution from Alisson was immense today at some really, really key points in the match. And he just keeps doing it and doing it and doing it. And he's been such an absolutely vital signing for. To, to change this Liverpool team from nearly from nearly a great side into one of the best sides in the world. Absolutely, and I kind of noticed, like you know, when when one of the defenders, I think Virgil Van Dijk, put the ball out and they go up to each other and they give each other a massive hug. And I love that. I love the fact that we don't have a goalkeeper sort of whinging or mourning or screaming or or we've got defenders that scream at our goalkeeper saying you you know like blah blah blah. You should have done better there. I mean, we we saw we saw the scenes that. Um, Spurs um, with Lloris and Son having um, you know a bit of a fisticuff kind of moment or like a handbag moment amongst themselves before they walked off at half time, which was absolutely glorious for somebody like Jose Mourinho who is like the most toxic football manager in modern day football. But yeah, I agree. Alison's been incredible, right, guys? Uh, and and I do agree with you. I think it's come to the stage where it's like Virgil Van Dijk now. You just kind of think best goalkeeper in the world. Yep, I expect that from you. You know, you you've hit a level and I expect you to stay there, guys. Man of the match. I kind of know where you're all gonna go, but I'm just gonna go around and ask anyway. Um, Harunda, I'll come to you first. Who's your man of the match? Navi Keita. Nice. For all the reasons why we mentioned, I assume. Does he need any more? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. just just navigator. Just navigator, and I think as well on the side note, we're absolutely thrilled to see him sort of looking like he could be a a potential first team starter as well, which would be quite exciting. I mean, you know, Marcelo got two goals as well. His movement looked quite lively today as well. Be interesting to see where Sam goes. I'm just sort of building it up. Sam, who have you gone for? Right. Well, as I touched on, Alison, I thought was fantastic today. I think Van Dyke, while our defence was creaking, was effortlessly majestic yet again. Uh, the guy's incredible. While you know everyone else might be struggling for form, I thought he was brilliant again. Henderson, great contribution today. Salah, fantastic yet again. But I got to agree with her in the. You know, Naby Keita created the first two goals himself, pretty much, uh, with that exceptional pressing that he's got. And that, you know, getting that 2-0 lead, in effect, was what won us the game. So, for me, I thought he was all-round contribution today. He was incredible. So chuffed for the guy. I think this is a long time coming. Fingers crossed now we can just manage his fitness well. Maybe ban him from playing for his country. <laughs> Um, I, I, I just want to see Naby on the pitch because a team with Naby on the pitch makes us almost unbeatable because he's so press resistant and he, he carries the ball 
unlike any other player that we have. So he's one of my favourite players when he's on song and, you know, just want to see more of him. I think it's a full house. I'm going to give it to Naby Keita as well. Um, I just love the fact that, again, he had a, he's been one of the more positive, more consistent performers since the restart. You know, even the small bursts of games that we've seen him, even at the Tonking against Man City, he had the most touches. I just think he's just got this willingness. He's going to be some player. And I think once he becomes established and he plays like sort of week in, week out, we see more of him. He is going to be a nightmare for Premier League teams and teams in Europe just in general. So I'm really excited about him. Guys, um, a massive thank you to all you for joining us live and listening to us. A massive thank you to Nick and Gags for joining us as callers. I'm going to get some plugs from these guys and then we shall call it a day. Harinda, anything you'd like to plug? Do you know what? Having only plugged a few days ago, it seems, um, there isn't really anything the usual on AITs and and the AI shop is quite fantastic. I have been banned from buying any more stuff because I get overexcited and I put, I like that one, I want that one. And then two, three things turn up and my wife looks at them and is like going, yeah, you need to stop her, I'm like, okay. Um, Shout out to Chris Wilder for doing his Klopp impression. So if you've not seen it, it's quite funny. Well, you know, like Klopp used to run up and down the touchlines and fist pump and jump. Chris Wilder seems to have been watching all of the touchline videos of Klopp and he oh. recreated it. He recreated it today when Stiffford Wednesday scored against the Wolverhampton. So that was quite funny. I was like, I've seen this before. Oh, yeah, Klopp. Um, but other than that, shout out to being unbearable. Crack on. Yep, and your Twitter handle is Harinda1977. Uh, yep, you can find me at Harinda1977. And in being unbearable, my daughter on Mufti Day at school went in with her Liverpool top on or a Liverpool champion sweatshirt so she could take piss out of players whose children go to the same school as my daughter, as well as, other, as well as other Chelsea staff whose players... Also, Chelsea staff members whose kids go to the same school. There's a few. She finds them and she just laughs at them. She doesn't do anything else. She just goes up to them and goes, ha, 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 and starts laughing. It's Love brilliant. It. It's, it's, yeah. it's the kind of needle every parent should be proud of. Absolutely. And you know what? She gets to rub it in people's faces. Something that I did not have the honour of doing, people. Uh, Traumatised I was and bullied. But yeah, she looked adorable. And the hoodie that she was wearing was the what, what Jurgen Klopp wore in... I think it was the day after we became champions, the red champions hoodie. I think it was that one that she was wearing. And what about you, Sam? Where can people find you on Twitter and what would you like to plug? Um, Well, I was on the post-match show after the 4-0 win against Palace, which is probably your best performance by a mile after the... uh, uh, the virus break. So if you're going to listen to us wax lyrical about the Reds, that would be a good listen. And on Twitter, my Twitter handle is at Sambo Evans. Wonderful, wonderful. And for my part, um, on AI Pro, I think guys kind of plugged it there. You know, the great Tiago pod, there's some great content coming your way. You know, we've got Molby on the spot there as well. Just some incredible, incredible content. There'll be a raw podcast as well. So, you know, the, 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 the you know, game minute by minute, but, you know, hosted by Trev Downey, post-match row. So all you got to do is go to Anfield Index, um, 
amphilindex.com forward slash join. Um, so do check that out. AITs is absolutely incredible. We are going to get on Redbubble as well. So once it's all officially done and dusted, we will let you know on Twitter as well. That's my um, impossible task. I feel like John Wick. I, I will be sorting that out. But guys, um, thank you so much for listening. A massive thank you to both Harinda and Sam. They have been incredible again. Um, these games are coming thick and fast. I will be back on Saturday uh, covering the Burnley game. I'm going to have to find more guests. Don't know, Sam, if you're free, do you, you know, should, should, we, should, we test? should we test you and see if you're really up for it? No promises. <laughs> no promises. Okay, I like that. No offence. Okay, guys, thank you so much for listening. Till next time, take care and up the reds. Podcast Network.